It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely, as we get set for this UFC Fight Night Smith versus Teixeira preview. Of course, uh, the fight night will take place on Wednesday, May 13th at the ViStar Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. And with that, we'll get right into it. No need for any fluffy introductions. Uh, it's just great to be back talking about fights and, and not having to, to wonder when they'll come back. I mean, there's so much there's so much to talk about, about Major League Baseball, and, and will we ever uh, get to see LeBron lose another championship in, in the NBA? But at least for uh, us MMA fans, we are back into the swing of things in the wake of uh, UFC 249. Uh, we got a good... A good card here for this fight night. Uh, of course, this is the middle fight of the, the stretch of three fights. Uh, we had the, the the fight on Saturday. We'll have this one on Wednesday, and then we'll have uh, Alistair Overeem and Walt Harris fighting uh, this upcoming Saturday. Uh, we'll probably do a preview show for that on the uh, on the Friday before. Uh, we'll probably do a, a, a wrap-up show for Smith versus Teixeira. Um, Thursday, maybe Wednesday, but more than likely Thursday, uh, just some housekeeping off the bat. Um, but we'll get right into it. We'll start from the bottom of the card and we'll work our way up to the main card and the main event. Um, so we have the first fight of the night. It's Gabriel Benitez and Omar Morales. And again, some, you know, some of these fights, uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't know a whole ton about some of these undercard guys. Uh, I tried to do a little bit of research before the show, but obviously um, not claiming to be an expert here for, for some of these undercard guys, just more of a gut feeling. But um, if it's any consolation, I'm trying to I'm trying to bump up my batting average after that 249 debacle uh, where I, I was batting below 500 on my predictions. So uh, while I might not be an expert, at, at least know I'm trying and uh, trying to keep my batting average high enough. So I did do some, some research on... Uh, on some of these fighters, but we have uh, Morales coming in at a minus 185 favorite. Um, I'm going to go Omar Morales by decision on this. He's coming into this fight 9-0. and uh, That means a lot to me to come in undefeated. Gabriel Benitez, uh, he, he does stay uh, relatively active with his fights. We saw him uh, lose his last fight uh, at UFC 241 to Sadiq Youssef. Um, you know, kind of been going 500 in the UFC. I don't really have any strong convictions either way, but I'm going to go with the guy with the undefeated record. So we're going to go Morales uh, by decision. And again, some of these undercard ones, we'll just kind of blow through them because I, quite frankly, don't have a whole lot to say uh, about, about some of these undercard fighters. Um, the second fight on the prelims features uh, Chase Sherman and Ike Villanueva. In the heavyweight division, we have Chase Sherman coming in as a minus 160 favorite. Uh, I'm going to pick Ike, uh, Ike Villanueva, uh, by first round KO. I'm going to go KO on that one. I feel pretty solid about that because it's a, it's heavyweights. Um, but Chase Sherman, uh, don't really know what to say. I mean, he's two and five in the UFC, so not exactly a, a guy who wins fights in the UFC. Uh, he most recently lost to Joey Beltron in, uh, BKFC, which is, um, is, is startling for someone who's you know just 
hired back to the UFC. Um, not going to pretend to know a whole ton about uh, Ike Villanueva, but he is on a, a four-fight KO. Uh, there might be a TKO in there, but a four-fight knockout streak um, in Fury FC. So I'm going to go with him. These are more than likely two guys who don't belong in the UFC, or or maybe that's a little too harsh, but or or wouldn't be in the UFC if it wasn't for uh, uh, this this pandemic that we're living through. So um, again, pretty pretty even money, but Sherman's the small favorite. But I'm gonna go Villanueva because I'm gonna I'm gonna feel bad going for most of the favorites on the main card. So we're gonna we're gonna go with the uh, the underdog here in the heavyweight division. Uh, the third fight on the prelims, it's Hunter Azur versus Brian Kelleher. Uh, Hunter Azur coming into this fight at 8-0. and uh, He came off the uh, Contender Series, and he is the minus 190 favorite. Um, Brian Kelleher, uh, UFC veteran. I, I've, I very nearly went Brian Kelleher on this one, but I'm going to go Hunter Azur by decision. Again, he's undefeated. I... I this this is a close fight. I could see it. I could see it going to a split decision or, or something along the lines of that. Just because you know we saw Brian Kelleher. I don't now. I don't know how big the hype train was on Ode Osborne, but you know he's a flashy bantamweight. There was some sort of a hype train around uh, Ode Osborne, and, and and back in January, Kelleher uh, choked him out in the first round. So you know he he's no stranger to stopping hype trains, but I don't think he stopped it this time. So we're gonna go Hunter Azur. Uh, by decision. Uh, also on that uh, prelims, or I suppose undercard, because I guess we don't really have uh, don't really have prelims when there's uh, this the, this little of, of fights. Uh, but we have the biggest favorite on the card in this one. It's Sajara Eubanks versus Sarah Morais. Uh, Eubanks is a minus three eighty favorite. Um, again, I don't have. I don't have too strong of, of convictions here, but I'm going to go with Sajara Eubanks, even though I feel bad for going with a heavy favorite, but I'm, I'm really trying to pump my numbers up here. 4-4, uh, four and four lost their last two fights in the UFC, so um, I don't feel great about this one. I think the odds are a little bit unfair, although Sarah Marais, uh gosh, lost four of her last six fights. So, again, it's it's probably two fighters that should be in the PFL, but um, I'm gonna go Sajara Eubanks, not for, not for any strong reasons because uh, I don't really watch either of those two fight. But uh, we gotta put a prediction out there. Uh, so then the second to last fight on that uh, undercard is Michael Johnson and Tiago Moises, and they are both minus one fifteen favorites. Which I don't really know how that's possible. I think I got that from Odds Shark. Uh, I am very new to the the sports betting scene, so I don't understand uh, when when it's even money. But you'll you'll win 115 if you bet 100. Don't really know how that works, but uh, uh, maybe maybe I'll figure that out one day. Um, interesting fight here. I'm gonna go with Michael Johnson by second round TKO. I know he's kind of fallen on hard times. Uh, in his last couple of fights, losing to Stevie Ray and Josh Emmett, getting knocked out by Josh Emmett, who uh, I believe was a, a pretty significant underdog in that fight. Uh, just a really tough, gritty fighter, has solid wins over Lobov and Feely. Um, 
But this this fight, I believe, is back down at featherweight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or excuse me, it's it's back up at uh, at lightweight. Uh, don't don't know anything about Tiago Moises. Kind of surprised that it's it's a pick'em fight. Uh, but he is he is 25. But he's he's lost two of his last three in the UFC, um, including uh, a uh, unanimous decision loss to Benil Dariush. Again. Not going to pretend to know a whole lot about Tiago Moises because, uh, quite frankly, I don't. But I do know Michael Johnson. He's a very tough fighter, and he's a very tough out um, if he's looking to finish him. So uh, I'm going to go with Michael Johnson. I'm going to stick with the with the devil I know and uh, to pick him fight. So I'm going to pick Michael Johnson. And then here we have in the, uh, I guess, main event of the, or I guess the headliner of the undercard, however they, they phrase that, um, we have... Andre Arlovsky, former UFC heavyweight champion, Andre Arlovsky, versus Felipe Linz. Uh, Felipe Linz is the minus 165 favorite. And I'm going to go with Felipe Linz on this one. And quite frankly, I don't know how the odds are that close. Uh, again, I'm new, to, I'm new to sports betting, but uh, Andre Arlovsky would not bet money on that guy, uh, at least given him his, his last date, really the last four years he hasn't he hasn't really strung together a winning streak since 2015 well I guess he won those two fights versus Struve and Albini but this was a guy who went on a five fight losing streak and again in fairness that first five fight losing streak was pretty solid you know Miocic, Overeem, Barnett, Ngannou, uh, Tybura um, but now he's lost four four of his last six and there's also a no contest in there to Walt Harris uh, I think he's he, you know, he's had a weird career where he's kind of had some downs and, and came back to to work his way to relevancy. Uh, he's 41, so I don't I don't really see him working his way back to relevancy. Now, that's not really the question here. It's whether or not he'll beat Felipe Linz, but I I don't think he will. He's three nine. He's three and nine with one no contest in his last 13. Uh, that is not good. If he was not a former heavyweight champion, I think he would be out of the UFC. It's kind of like BJ Penn. I mean, people who get 17 chances and lose all those chances, I mean, you have to have done something pretty special in the beginning part of your career. Uh, wouldn't shock me if Arlovsky got cut after this fight, it, but it also wouldn't shock me if he stays because I, that's just kind of how the UFC rolls. Um, Felipe Linz, he was the PFL heavyweight champion. Uh, from 2019, I believe. Uh, and again, not a lot of great fighters in, in the PFL, at least at the level of uh, UFC heavyweights, but I, I don't know if Olofsky belongs uh, in, in this in this company, uh, at least if you look at his if, if you look at his record. Um, and Felipe Lins four, four straight finishes again against like the likes of like Alex Nicholson and and stuff like that, and uh, kind of washed out in Bellator. Lost three of his last four in Bellator, so it's kind of it's kind of weird trying to figure out where Felipe Linz fits into the grand scheme of things when you're not when you're not winning in Bellator, but you're winning in PFL. And how big is the difference between the Bellator Bellator and the PFL? Because uh, there are there are levels to this game. Uh, he's only 34, um, so I'm gonna go Felipe Linz. I don't feel great about it, just because I haven't really watched a lot of Felipe Linz fights. But I have watched a lot of Andre Olofsky's fights, and uh, uh, that does not bode well. So, honestly, I'm not gonna say it's my lock of the of the event, but I, I feel pretty solid about Felipe Linz winning this one. 
Uh, so now we go to the main card we have in the uh, middleweight division. Marvin Vittori taking on Carl Roberson. Vittori is the minus 170 favorite. Uh, I have Vittori winning this one. Um, and I guess I should differentiate whether or not... Because I'm trying to get my batting average up by picking the correct winner. But I'm not exactly betting money on this. I think I would bet money on Vittori and I would... I would bet that Vittori outright's going to win. Um, I mean, he did give Israel Adesanya a, a pretty close fight. I mean, let's be real about that. Uh, he did give him a, a pretty close fight. I believe it went to a split decision. And uh, I think it was the second round of that fight where he really took him down. Didn't do a whole lot with it. But, you know, I'm not trying to say he's on the level of Israel Adesanya, but... You know, you look at what Adesanya's done his last couple of fights. I know people are still pissed off about the UL Romero performance. Um, But, you know, he gave him a run for his money. It wasn't a guarantee, especially with some commissions. You know, it's not out of the... It's not out of the ballpark that Marvin Vittori beat Israel Adesanya in a a terrible commission. I'm not saying he beat him, but, you know... Let's just say if that fight took place in Houston, you know, you never know. Vittori might have... In, in the judge's eyes, might have beat Adesanya. Um, but, you know, he's kind of, he, he's won his last two fights, beat Andrew Sanchez, beat uh, uh, Cesar Mutante, or whatever his last name is. Um, I, I think he'll beat Carl Robertson. He's, uh, oh, let's see here. I had, I had it somewhere in my notes, but he, he's on a two-fight winning streak. But again, I believe it was against two UFC newcomers. And then, really, the two guys that he's he's taken on in the UFC that are are veteran type of guys, um, kind of gatekeepers. He hasn't he hasn't passed the test. You know, he lost to Caesar Ferreira, um, lost to Glover Teixeira, which I, I think he probably shouldn't have been matched up against in in the first place at that point in his career. Um, so he hasn't really passed the the you know the the gatekeeper. Not even the not even a gatekeeper in the sense like uh, Derek Brunson, but like literally like a gatekeeper for for the lower levels of the company um again i don't feel super strong in my convictions with marvin vittori but i would say marvin vittori by uh, unanimous de- decision on this one uh we also have on that main card ray borg and ricky simone ricky simone is the minus 175 favorite and this fight's interesting because you never really know what ray borg you're gonna get I mean, personal things aside, obviously, you know, oh, I hope everything works out with him and, and, and the situation with his family and, and, you know, Borg strong and all that because that's, that's absolutely unfortunate and honestly really hard to comprehend for a lot of people because unless you're in that situation, you know, you, you can't even, you can try to empathize, but, you know, you know, stuff, man, heart, you know, stumbling over my words here, but, you know, thoughts and and prayers with uh ray borg uh but back inside the octagon you don't you don't really know what you're getting with ray borg you know he's only 26 i believe he trains with um uh henry cejudo and uh uh, eric albaracine and and uh patricio pitbull but again you don't know what what you're gonna get i mean he had that terrible armbar loss versus uh demetrius johnson and then he had six straight fights fall through from February of 2018 to March of 2019. He had six fights fall through. And then I believe he missed weight against Casey Kenny. He, he lost that one at, 
I believe that was at flyweight. But he's on a two-fight win streak. I believe both of these are at flyweight wins over uh, Rogerio Bontarin and Gabriel Silva. And this fight is back up at 135, which I, I think Ray Borg should probably fight at 135 anyway, just in general, given his, his issues with making weight at uh, 125. And it's this is a very interesting matchup because it's, it's tough to know what to make. I mean, you look at Ricky Simone, he's on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, but against against Uriah Faber and, and Rob Font is kind of, I'm not going to say he's the boogeyman of, of the 135 division, but, you know, Rob Font's a tough guy. Rob, Rob Font's a tough fighter that I don't think a lot of people uh, give a lot of props to. So it, it's tough to know what to make of where both of these guys are, are in their career. I mean, at one point we had a seven-fight win streak for uh, Ricky Simone before he had that co- Co, uh, co-main event versus Faber. Um, I am going to go with Ricky Simone. I'm going to go by th- third-round TKO. Uh, I just feel like I-, I don't know what to make of Simone and Borg's career. They're both very young in the game, 26 and 27 respectively. Uh, but I do know, I do know we have seen, we have, we have seen flashes, excuse me, we have seen flashes from Ricky Simone at bantamweight, we've, we've kind of seen flashes from Borg. I feel more at at, at flyweight, um, so I, I'm really giving it to uh, Simone just because it's his natural weight class, um, or at least it's the way, only weight class he's fought at in the UFC. Uh, also on that main card, uh, the one before the co-main event, we have Drew Dober and Alexander Hernandez. They are both one minus one twenty-five favorites. Which again, I don't know how that works because that seems like it's just a loss for the uh, betting company. Uh, but again, that's not really my problem. Maybe one day I'll figure that out. But it strikes me as a little bit odd. Um, but again, I can feel good because I'm not betting. Well, I guess. Well, I guess I'm betting the favorite either way. But I'm not betting a heavy favorite uh, because you know we do have pressure here at North Star Sports to deliver hot sports takes. And I can't really deliver them if I'm always going with the favorite. Uh, but this one, I don't really have to worry. Uh, Drew Dober, he is on a two-fight win streak. He knocked out Polo Reyes, Marco Polo Reyes, uh, back at uh, UFC Fight Night in Ganu versus Dos Santos, the, the one that was here in Minneapolis that I attended, which was a, a very solid event. I was very disappointed, little tangent, that it was originally uh, Tyrone Woodley and Robbie Lawler, too, that was supposed to headline that. And then I believe Woodley had a shoulder injury, and uh, that fell out. And then they took, oh, what was it? I believe I believe it was UFC 239 that they took Ngannou and Dos Santos off the main card, shifted it, I believe, a week earlier, and made that the headliner for the Minneapolis card, which I have to say, that's the only UFC event I've been to. But that was fun. That was a, a very good event. Uh, Minnesota nice and all those uh, cliches that, I, that I'm forced to say. But, you know, they come to Minneapolis once every six to seven years. I don't know. I think maybe they should make it, you know, once every two or three years. I think this is a, a very good state for uh, enjoying uh, the old mixed martial arts. Uh, but but back to this this fight here. Uh, Dober's, Dober's tough, but he's, he's coming off of two first round, uh, knockouts. 
because he also derailed the hype train of Nasrat Hakparask. Uh, I'm sure I'm butchering that. Uh, back in January, um, and Alexander Hernandez, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, he had some hype coming in to that Cerrone fight where he made himself look like an ass and, you know, got finished by Cowboy Cerrone, which, you know, no, I mean, you made yourself look like an ass, but no big deal, no big deal. I mean, you know. There's no shame in losing to Cerrone, even though his current four-fight losing streak doesn't make that win look any, any or that loss look any better for Hernandez. But uh, it, it's tough here because he won his last fight against Francisco Trinaldo, but I don't think he did. How's that for a hot sports take? Probably not that hot because I'm sure a lot of people uh, felt the same way if you watched that fight. But I thought Francisco Trinaldo won that fight. Uh, I. I wish I could remember. It was back in July of last year, so I don't, I don't have it memorized like the back of my hand, so I couldn't tell you. Oh well, I thought he won the first and the and the third, um, but I do remember feeling. Ro- Listen, robbed is a strong word, and I think a lot of fans overreact and say robbed. Robberies, for the record, guys, are very rare. You might disagree with the decision, but it is not a robbery. I mean, that's one of my pet peeves with with MMA fans. I mean, three times a card at least will have people in, in the UFC Twitter feed going, oh, robbed. He was ro-. Even though it was a split decision, he got robbed. Even though the fight was so close, it was a split decision. I think it's a robbery. No, no, no. Guys, guys. Robbery is like Amanda Nunes, Valentina Shevchenko 2. There's no way you could think... Amanda Nunes won that fight, but somehow in the judge's mind, she did. A, a robbery is uh, Yoel Romero and Robert Whitaker won. Like, there's just no way. Like, go back and watch that fight. I, I hope it's the first one. I know there's an. I believe there's an argument for the second fight that Romero won. But if you go back and watch that first fight, there's there's no way you could. Like, you go to um, fantastic website. I wish I could remember it, but you go to. Um, uh, MMA verdicts, I believe, where they have uh, people scoring cards and, oh, what did the fans think of this? And man, it's like 90% that Romero won that fight. You can go back. Like, I'm not saying Robert Whitaker's not tough, but you don't win fights because you're tough. I mean, it, it, it was a very tough and gritty fight, but every time somebody got hurt in that fight, it was it was Romero. So back to, back to this fight, I'm not going to say that Hernandez robbed uh, Trinaldo, not that it's his fault anyway, because it's the it's the it's the judges. But um, I think he lost his last fight, so really he hasn't had a win in my mind since his win over OAM uh, back in 2018. So that being said, I almost wanted to go Hernandez. It was a, it was a gut feeling. I almost wanted to go Hernandez, but I'm gonna go Drew Dober by. Decision. I think Hernandez is tough. I don't think he's. I. I, I could be wrong. Obviously, it's just conjecture. But uh, I think uh, Hernandez is tough. He did take a beating from Cerrone, even though he got finished, which kind of negates my point. But he's a tough. He's a tough fighter. Um, I don't think Dober knocks him out in the first round. But I'm gonna go Drew Dober on this one, which I feel like. I know it's. I know it's a pick'em essentially. Because they're both both a minus one twenty favorite. But I, I feel, I could be wrong, but I feel like the sentiment is that Hernandez will win this fight. But I'm going to go Drew Dober. 
which leads us to the co-main event. It is OSP making his heavyweight debut versus Ben Rothwell. We have OSP is the minus 150 favorite, and this fight makes no sense. Far be it from me to criticize UFC matchmaking, but this fight makes absolutely no sense. I don't know what combination of drugs they had to be on to, to come up with this fight. I, it makes no sense. Now, I, I I almost talked myself into this fight. Not, not not that it makes sense, but I almost was like, well, Ben Rothwell is six foot four and OSP is six three and a half, and Ben Rothwell has I think an eighty inch reach and OSP has an 81 inch reach it, it's not that big of a deal they both have the same dimensions which is true but OSP is a light heavyweight and Ben Rothwell is at the heavyweight limit so I'll be, I'll be very interested to see what OSP weighs for this fight because I don't know. I don't know. Does he come in at 230? Does he come in at 240? I don't know what OSP's natural weight is. But even say it's like 235. Because OSP is kind of a lean guy. I don't want to cop out and say he's got the John Jones build. But, you know, he's a little bit of a lean guy for, for light heavyweight, obviously, because he's six foot three and a half. But if he comes in at like 230, 235, he's still sacrificing 30 pounds to Ben Rothwell. Um,. So this fight makes absolutely no sense. It it makes a little more... I'm not going to say it's as crazy as Alir Latifi and Derek Lewis, because that one was the absolute mind-boggler. I don't know how they came up with that one. Why not, why not have Alexander Hernandez take on Paulo Costa? I mean, it just doesn't even make any sense. But this is not that bad. But again, I don't know what I don't know what OSP has to 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 gain from this. Maybe the move up to heavyweight is permanent. Maybe he didn't want to cut because of the, of the uh, coronavirus. I'm gonna go Ben Rothwell by decision on this one. I'm gonna go with the underdog. Listen, OSP is a very good fighter. He has some some pretty solid uh, and and signature, if I might say so, wins in the UFC. You know, over uh, Shogun Hua. Uh, that head kick knockout in the third round versus Corey Anderson uh, back at that um, Madison Square Garden card. So, you know, he's a very tough fighter. That's why I, I'm going to say it's go to, it's going to go to a decision. But, you know, he, he he lost three of his last five at light heavyweight. You know, a, a tough fighter for, you know, for sure always in the rankings. But, you know, what, what are we doing here? I don't, I don't really know what the goal is for OSP at this point, maybe maybe just to make a paycheck. But it, I don't know, it, going up to heavyweight, Ben Rothwell is a legitimate heavy, heavyweight. And he's also the king of Kenosha, and that's maybe an hour and a half drive, I think, from the Twin Cities. Actually, I don't know. I don't really know the geography of Wisconsin, but I feel like that's on the western side of Wisconsin. I'm sure a, a cursory Google search would, would reveal the, the distance between the Twin Cities and, and Kenosha. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go Ben Rothwell. You know, I feel like he was kind of robbed his last couple of fights. Um, you know, because he, he lost last, well, 
he didn't lose the last. But, you know, he had that loss to Junior Dos Santos back in 2016, and then he had a long layoff. He had about a three-year layoff, and he came back and fought uh, Blagoy Ivanov, and he lost via unanimous decision. But I thought he won. I thought he won. I thought he beat uh, Blagoy, and then he had a fight uh, in July of 2019 versus Andre Arlovsky, and he lost that one via via unanimous decision. But I also thought he won that fight. I thought he got, again, I'm not going to say robbed. I disagree with the decisions. Maybe I even say he got screwed, not a robbery. Um, But I disagreed with the decisions on both those fights in my mind. In my mind, Rothwell is on a three-fight winning streak because then he also knocked out uh, Stefan Struve uh, in December of 2019. So in in my mind, he beat Blagoy, he beat Arlovsky, and he beat Stefan Struve, um, even though (laughs) he definitely punched uh, or kicked Stefan Struve in the nuts a couple of times, which, uh, you know, (laughs) that was just uncanny. I mean, I I know Struve is the skyscraper. I know he's seven feet tall, but... Man, he just couldn't help but kick him square in the nuts um, a couple of times, which I, I can't help but feel uh, helped him beat Stefan Struve. But again, it just makes no sense. I'm not even saying Rothwell's a better f- fighter than OSP. It's just, it's two different divisions. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I don't really know. So, like, I don't think Ben Rothwell's ranked. I don't think he's he's ranked in the heavyweight division. So... Does OSP, is OSP ranked at heavyweight after this? Like, I don't really, or is Rothwell ranked after beating OSP? Just kind of doesn't really have a purpose behind it. I mean, it fills a co-main event, which also is, also is kind of weird. You know, of the three cards, this is definitely the uh, least stacked, but I'll take it. I'll take it. It's the least stacked of the, the, the series of, of three events that the UFC's putting on in that seven-day period, but I'll take it. Like I said on last, uh, yesterday's show, I will watch a PFL card. I'll watch a PFL card. That's how desperate I am. And and Lord knows, I've watched a couple of PFL cards in my days on on those Tuesday night fights or whatever they do. Uh, I've watched a couple of them, and they they're not they're not good, but they're they're something to have on in, in the background. They're, they you know there's something to watch. So um, I'm just happy the UFC's back. Well, we're gonna go again. We're gonna go Rothwell by decision. And this is going to lead us to our main event of the evening. It is a light heavyweight matchup between Anthony Lionheart Smith and Glover Teixeira. Anthony Smith is the minus 165 favorite. Um, and this one's good good matchmaking. I like it. It's, it's a... I, I don't want to say a legacy... It might sound crazy to say that's a legacy fight for Anthony Smith, but... Not really. I mean, the more I think about it, the more the matchmaking behind this is is brilliant. For as as crack smoking as the 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 decision was to put OSP against Rothwell, I I really like the this this matchmaking here because in my mind it, it's a legacy fight for for Lionheart Smith. I mean, I know Teixeira, he's on a three-fight win streak, I believe, but he's kind of fallen on hard times when you look at the the scope of, of the last few years for him. But let's not forget, you know, this was a guy who at one point was 22-2. and two. He had that fight, uh, I believe, at one, UFC 171 in Baltimore versus Jones. You know, he was a highly touted guy who had to have, you know, a little 
a little period where he had to sit out because he had to work out, you know, that, that, that amazing story of him immigrating uh, to, to Connecticut illegally, you know, fantastic story. Seems, Glover Teixeira also seems like one of the nicest guys in the business. Uh, but, you know, when you have John Jones as your champ and you look back at his legacy fights, this is a legacy fight for Smith, not for Jones. You know what I mean? Like, Jones has beaten all those former champs. Teixeira is not a former champ. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, this is a guy who's been in the division for a long time and, you know, has, has some very respectable victories. He, You know, maybe people might forget, but, you know, we, we should have a, de- a high degree of reverence for somebody like Glover Teixeira. And Lionheart Smith, number four in the rankings. Glover Teixeira, number eight in the rankings. So it makes sense for Smith. It's not like he's fighting the number 14 guy in the rankings. If he beats Teixeira, that's a pretty nice name to put on your mantelpiece. I don't think you get a title shot off of beating Glover Teixeira, but you never know in times like this. Uh, it, it it certainly is conceivable that that... I mean, listen, it's conceivable if, if Smith beats Teixeira, he gets a title shot. Um, there are more deserving people in my mind. Uh, obviously, Dominic Reyes would have a very fair claim. Diego Santos, in my mind, would have an even fairer claim. You know, Blahovich, uh, I, I, I'd take him on a title shot over Smith. But listen, we just saw Dominic Cruz off of a loss in 2016 get a title shot. Now, I understand he's the greatest bandwidth of all time, but I'm just saying... You know, if if Reyes says, yes, I, I agree to a, a, a rematch with John Jones, and then he gets hurt, and then, you know, Santos isn't ready, and Blahovich has visa issues, it's not crazy to think. I mean, you know what I mean? Listen, Gaethje certainly was deserving of a title shot, but, you know, why is why is Gaethje fighting Ferguson? You know what I mean? So if, if a couple of people say no, or one person says no, and there's an injury, or there's a visa issue, it's not crazy to think that... Anthony Smith gets a title shot off of beating Teixeira. Um, and then for Teixeira, listen, Teixeira has a, he might have to win three or four before he gets a, a, another title shot, especially at his age. Um, but if he beats Smith, he's number four in the rankings. Teixeira, by you know just sheer logic, would be number four in the rankings. And if you're at any time, if you're in the top five of any division, a title shot's possible, even if there's someone more deserving than you crazier things have happened so the the matchmaking here uh is is brilliant um but we do have glover Teixeira on a three fight winning streak um again not exactly household names that he's beating so this certainly is a step up in competition for Teixeira um what is it uh two finishes two finishes over carl roberson and uh, Iwan Kutalaba, and then a split decision victory over Nikita Krilov, who really, really impressed me in his fight versus Johnny Walker um, back at UFC Brasilia. Um, so, you know, k- kind of rebounding nicely. And then, of course, you have Anthony Smith, who uh, is coming off that, that victory over uh, Alexander Gustafsson in his home country. Uh, fourth round, rear naked choke finish. Of course, before that, the loss to uh, John Jones. Um High character guy in Anthony Anthony Smith didn't didn't take the belt even though he could have taken it from John Jones if he couldn't continue. John Jones should write him a thank you card every single day for not taking away his belt uh, instead of you know teasing Anthony Smith because there was a uh, a break in at his house that doesn't make any sense. But again, 
a lot of the time stuff with John Jones does not make a whole lot of sense, so you're trying to find logic in a sea of nonsense. Um, but but Lionheart Smith, good to see him back. Very unfortunate that they, that they couldn't do this fight at uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln, Nebraska. I know that was um, something that he wanted to do before he uh, retires. Not that he's contemplating retirement, before his, but before his career's all over, get a fight in his home state. Hopefully he still gets that, but you never know what the schedule is going to look like for the next six months, a year, two years, if you listen to some people, um, you know, how, how this is all going to turn out. But um, it's going to be a competitive fight. But at the same time, I don't... I'm going to contradict myself here with my prediction because I don't want to take too many decisions, and I, I, I hate going with the favorite, but it is a close fight. It's a minus-165 favorite. I'm going to go with... Uh, Lionheart Smith by first round TKO. First round TKO. And I know Glover's tough, and he's never really been blitzkrieged before. But I'm going to say uh, Lionheart Smith gets back to his, uh, his, his winning ways back before the Jones fight. Back when he was, who's Anthony Smith? A guy that just moves up from middleweight and then just absolutely murks a bunch of people. And listen, you know absolutely demolished Rashad Evans in in under a minute uh or, or in the first round I believe uh demolished Shogun Hua in the first round so I know those guys are over the hill but so is Glover Teixeira kind of you know so uh he's no he's no stranger to absolutely murking legends um well legend might be a little tough or a little little too nice with Teixeira but uh, he's no stranger to absolutely murking people who used to be at the top of the division. And we need hot sports takes because we've gone two months without hot sports takes. Um, so I'm going to give you a, a, a sizzling hot sports take. First round TKO, Lionheart Smith, slight favorite. He is the winner of the main event of the uh, May 13th card at Star Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. And with that, we're going to wrap it up here. We will have a recap show of uh, UFC Fight Night Smith versus Teixeira. Likely coming out, I'm going to say Thursday. We'll have a preview of the Saturday card on Friday. And then more than likely uh, a recap of that Saturday card. I want to say on Sunday, but may- maybe on Monday. But we'll, tr- we'll try to get it done on, on Sunday. So that the uh, the good people out there, the good people that just want sizzling hot sports takes, kind of like the fajitas they bring out at Applebee's, that type of sizzling hot, uh, they need them. So we're gonna we're gonna keep doing these shows very regularly, and it helps that we have three shows in in seven days. Uh, but again, we're gonna wrap up today's show. Uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely. That's E L L E M N. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.